God is at work through His local church and through the teaching of His Word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Christ Place. Here's Pastor Rick Lorimer. Now this week's message is start now. Say now. So let's get into Scripture. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Galatians chapter 6. This was our text last week. and We're going to dive in it and we're just going to go a little deeper. Here we go. Starting with verse 7. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking to the church in Galatia. Look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also, what? Reap or harvest. For the one who sows or plants to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There's a choice here that we have. Look at verse 9. We're going a little deeper here. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not what? Give up. So I took up competitive tennis two years ago. I played it in high school, but I didn't touch a racket for like 30 years after that. But I decided, man, I want to I go after it. Um, and by the way, when I say competitive tennis, um, don't be like, think I'm trying to hype myself up. USTA, United States Tennis Association, they have, they have competitive tennis for all levels, okay? So I'm not that good. But, but I like competing, and it helps me get better knowing that I'm, I'm playing with people that are better than me, and that's the only way to really get better. So I took up competitive tennis, and here's what I've learned looking back these last two years. The player I am today is not the player that I was. Now, when I started tennis, I, I had this idea of who I was, and I completely fell short. There had to be this gap of time where I was willing to put in the hard work to be playing at the level I am now. And yet, I'm still not where I want to be. Matter of fact, I caught myself this week getting really frustrated with my inconsistency with my tennis serve. I, I really, and I got frustrated with my backhand, thinking, man, I should be farther along with my backhand. And I'm bringing this up to you because I have found that frustration, as we're talking about sowing and reaping, it's so easy to get frustrated when we're not seeing the fruit of our labor. It's so easy when you're sowing into relationships, whether it be a marriage or adult children, or it could be a friendship that's estranged, and you've been working so hard, and you're not seeing any evidence that's making a difference. See, frustration grows into disappointment, and disappointment grows into discouragement. And I shared this last night that I believe God wants to pull down some strongholds of discouragement in the house today. I believe that there's strongholds of disappointment that need to come down today. There's there's strongholds of hopelessness in the house that need to come down today. I was recently chatting with someone in our church who has sown love and forgiveness and uh, kindness into an adult child of hers, and it's not been reciprocated. And I'm not talking she hasn't seen any evidence of it being reciprocated for three months. She's been sowing not just three months, not just eight months. She's been sowing for years. Now, was she, a, was she a perfect parent? No, she would tell you she did so many things wrong. But, she, but she's living for Jesus now. And she's, she's, she's still she's trying to sow the right stuff into her adult child. And she's not seeing anything. And I could see the discouragement in her eyes. Church, listen to me. Discouragement can sow hopelessness and a sense of condemnation. And I'm telling you, if we allow ourselves to live with our head down and we live in discouragement, we're going to grow weary. And at some point we give up. And then what happens is procrastination becomes condemnation. This is why Paul, I really believe, addresses the gap. 
This is why Paul says, hey, man, do not be weary. For in due season, man, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. He's referring to the fact that reaping and sowing don't happen at the same time. It's because planting and harvesting are separate events. And harvesting, man, on our timeline doesn't always work. When you're dealing with relationships, it's not three months or four months. It could be years. I know my grandma, I believe, prayed me, prayed me into the kingdom in many ways. But my grandma never got to see her daughter give her life to Jesus and get baptized at this church. She never even got to see the fruit of her labor. Not this side of eternity. And so it is, Paul says, man, don't get weary. Why is this significant? Well, because it leads to the third principle I want to teach us this morning, which is simply this. We don't plant and harvest in the same season. You say, Rick, why is that a big deal? I mean, why, why? It seems kind of obvious. Like, yeah, but we don't live with this understanding. We live in a society and with a nature that is all about instant gratification. It seems ridiculous, but we are so conditioned to the quick return. And it's not just the fault of society and culture. It's, it's, it's our own nature. Quick wins are gratifying. Life, though, is a marathon. And what we do in this life has the potential to have an echo in eternity. But if we just perceive it as a, as a, a short-distance race, a 50-yard dash, then we're going to miss what God wants to do and what he wants to harvest in your life. Verse 9, Paul says, man, you don't become weary in doing good. In other words, farming's hard work. You're going to get tired. You just can't get tired of doing the right thing. You got to keep planting the right seeds. You got to keep tending to the soul of your heart. You got to keep working on the culture of your family, on your attitude in work. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, everything gets skewed. Can anybody relate to that? I mean, little tasks become really big. I either care too much or I care too little. My emotions are at extremes. Furthermore, when I'm tired, my response time is not sharp, and my words become messy, and my emotions are like frayed. And I think emotional weariness is harder than physical weariness. And when we're sowing as parents into our children, or we're sowing into our marriage, or if you're a single person, or we're sowing into friendships, or into a future marriage, it's so easy to become tired. Or like my friend who has an adult child, and they're seeing them live a life that is, they know is disappointing God, but it's a life of brokenness, and and then they begin to take on the weight that it's all their fault. And, and they're trying to continue to do what is good. But they're just tired. And some of us in the house, you're weary and you're tired. That's why I'm grateful that Paul, when he's given us verse 9 about not giving up, if you read that passage from 7 to 9, you'll find that he talks almost first person in the first two verses. And then in verse 9, he says, us, let us not become weary in doing good. You see, you're not alone, my friend. We need each other. And you may not want to admit it, but you need people who know you well enough to know when you're tired, when discouragement is becoming a stronghold in your life, and you start adopting the culture's attitude, it is what it is, and assume nothing will change. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author expresses something here that I think is relevant for us. In verse 24, Listen to his words. He said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love. Why would any of us need to be motivated 
for acts of love if we weren't tired, if it were easy. But he says, no, he says, we, we got to motivate each other towards love and good deeds. That's sowing. Good deeds is sowing. And, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. This is a great time of year where you create this discipline of man, making this weekend a time of worship, a time of growing, that you never leave this auditorium. Or if you're online, you never leave and finish the service and turn off the TV or, or your screen until you know God's done something in your soul. He says, let us not neglect the meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Christ's place, we're a team. And it's hard work. Because it's easier just to let your normal schedule prioritize you out of you developing friendships and relationships in the house. We want to sow love and we want to sow love and encouragement into one another. See, we need help getting to be better farmers. We need people who will provide accountability to us, who, who understand when we're going through a difficult time. Our title for this weekend is Start Now, by the way. It doesn't matter about your past church record, your past relationship track record, whatever age stage you're in, whether you have adult children or you're raising little ones or you have no kids or you're not married, start now. Start now understanding the law of the harvest. Start now understanding that this gap sometimes is difficult between what we do and what we see. It can be so difficult. But start now because here's what I've found. If we'll apply these principles into all areas of our life, so in my friendships, in my workplace, with my children, with my wife, with my my adult children, with my grandkids, then this idea of of sowing and harvesting doesn't all happen just at one time. While you're working hard and you're sowing and you're not seeing a lot in one area, you might start harvesting another. And you create this beautiful cycle where you're sowing and reaping throughout the year. It's not just like once a year. So start now. Don't wait on this. This is something you want to begin to apply to your life at this very time. And remember what I said earlier, what you don't plant won't grow. Seed is good for nothing until it's planted. And your wishes for 2023 are those seeds good for nothing until you're planting them. I wish my kids faithfully attended church. I wish I had a prayer life. I wish I could hear the voice of God. I wish I had some close friends at church. I wish that I could be more generous. I wish that I spent more time at home. I wish that I had been more forgiving towards my parents. I wish that I had played more with my kids. I I wish that I would sacrificed more. I wish that I knew more of the Bible. I wish, I wish you have barn filled with wishes and they're useless until they're planted. See, we have to be super intentional about planting. Ask a farmer, man, what he's planting. And I promise you, he knows what he's planting because he knows what he wants to harvest. He doesn't show up to the co-op or go to the seed company and say, surprise me. He knows. And I want you leaving here having a sense of what you know you need to start sowing in 2023. This is my heart for the house. This is what I want for you. Psalms 90, verse 12. Listen to these words. It's a beautiful prayer. Lord, so teach me, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. I want you to be so intentional with sowing this year that you're numbering your days. Each day is a priority to you, no matter how you feel, no matter what you see or don't see, no matter what you're harvesting and not harvesting. Number your days. I I knew a leader once who he recognized that each day was a gift. And so he wanted to really take this passage to heart 
And so he wanted to figure out how many days he had left to live. It sounds a little dark, I know. I think he was 50. And he went online, and I think he he found out that the the male expectancy is like age 76. How many of you want it to be more than that? Come on, somebody. But, But I think that was like at that time. And so he figured he had 26 years left to live. So 26 times 365 days, that was like 9,490 days he had left to live. And so what he did is he he got 9,490 seeds and he put them in a jar. And each day before he begun his day with work, family, children, and grandchildren, he made sure to recognize that this day had to count. And he'd take it out. See, my brother who did that illustration, he, he lived just over that time frame, but Each day, as it got smaller and smaller, he realized it's got to count. And there are some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, there are less seeds in our jar today than there were before this day. There are some of us here with adult children, and we feel like, wow, I've got so little time left. But what you don't understand is, if you start now, God will use it. God will use it. Here's another way to look at this at numbering your days. Let's say your parents are 80 years old and they live to the age 85. If they lived to the age of 85, we'd all say, man, they, they, they lived um, a full life. But let's say you only see your parents on Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. That means you only have 10 more opportunities to sow in their life. Live with a sense of numbering your days. Number your days. Be intentional. Don't be that person that says it is what it is. I just got to live with the mess that I have. No, there's hope. When we have limited time to sow in the lives of our family, friends, and kids, I want you to live, man, with the sense that you still are making a difference. I like what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. He doesn't use the term sowing, but he's talking about sowing. He's talking about the things that God wants us to clothe ourselves in so we can sow into other people's lives. Listen to his words in Colossians chapter 3. Listen to what he says here. Since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. Sow kindness. Sow humility. Gentleness. And patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with what? Love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. See, these, these are beautiful illustrations of things that we can sow into our own life and sow into other people's lives. And I want to just take a few minutes to share with you four different seeds that I would like you to consider to sow into people's lives this year. And these are just four that are on my heart for you as as your pastor. And and you can think of others, but these are just things I'm gonna encourage you to consider working at every day to make your days count, to to live with the sense that you only have a certain number of days left. None of us are promised it tomorrow. Here's four seeds. Here's the first seed. I want you to consider planting the seed of affection. If you're a parent, Don't assume your kids or your spouse know that you love them. Married couples, you have permission to make your kids gag with your public displays of affection. And parents, you can never hug your kids too much. Even when you're smothering them in front of their friends. I remember calling my kids babe. So, okay, I shouldn't have probably used the word babe, but I'd hug them and kiss them and they squirm and they hated it. And listen to me, kids, students, Getting embarrassed by your parents, man, get over it. It's worth it. Someday you'll thank them for it. 
See, because express love breeds security and relationship. And listen to me, parents and married couples, you don't want to outsource someone else giving affection to your kids or affection to your spouse. You say, well, Rick, it's not my personality. I'm, I just don't, I'm not real touchy. Well, start. Start now. Start now. It's time to change. It's, it's, it's find a way to farm that, that, that maybe is healthy for your kids or your spouse that maybe you don't even like. We tend to want to love people the way we want to be loved, but what if you found out what, the way they want to be loved and you farm that way? Start expressing love and, man, it becomes encouraging. It becomes such a healthy environment. Here's the second seed, the seed of affirmation. Affirmation is positive and encouraging words. Use more words with affection than negative of what they're doing wrong. And start now. It doesn't matter what age stage you're in. Whether you've got grandkids, adult children, little kids, start now. Be super intentional with the words that you use. And listen, we all love to hear good things about ourselves. Let's just be super honest on that. I mean, if you were to go into my office, you remember when we had pastor's appreciation back in October? We had you guys fill out cards for the pastor's. And I want to say thank you, because I'm going to tell you what. Some of you wrote me cards, and you know where those cards are? They're on my desk to this day. I haven't thrown one single card away. Why? Because sometimes I'm, I get discouraged, because our church isn't where I want it to be. And so what I do is I'll just take a few minutes, and I, I just listen to the words of affirmation. It's not weakness. That's recognizing it's easy to get weary in doing good. And we need to all know what it's like to be affirmed. And, and this is one of the reasons why I want you to have some close relationships in church. I want you to have a small group that knows how to affirm you. And, and to have relationships in the church that know how to do that. There's power in affirmation. Man, it's so great that it can change one's altitude and eventually one's attitude. Perspective. Rather than being the... You know, some of us are saying, well, Rick, I'm not really someone who affirms... I'm, no one affirms me. Well, be the person who affirms others. And here's what will happen. If you start affirming other people, guess what happens? You reap what you... It's like, well, no one's a friend to me. Well, it's because you're not being a friend. Show yourself friendly and, and people will be friendly to you. It's sowing and reaping. Let's plant affirmation and affection in our families and our friendships, our relationships, and our workplace in 2023. Here's a third seed, the seed of humility. Our pride is hindering relationships. I, I did a lot of things wrong as a parent, but I will say I think I did this right. I was really quick to own it when I blew it in front of my kids. To say, hey, you know what? The way I talked to your mom was disrespectful. It grieved God, and it was wrong. I'm so sorry. Or, hey, Ricky, I'm sorry that dad reacted the way he did to you. There was no justification for it. I'm sorry. You know what we tend to do, though? We tend to want to spin it why we did what we did. Don't do that. Just own it. Don't be Fonzie. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm praying for you right now. And dads especially, I want you to know, man, you can't let your pride continue to hinder you here. I'm praying Malachi 4.6 for, for our, our men in the house. Listen to what it says here in Malachi 4.6. And he will turn his hearts. This is God. God will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children and their hearts and the children to their fathers. I'm praying that for you. Don't you want to be part of the answer? If you find that you're not good at this and you're experiencing crop failure, 
then you know what? You need to ask for help. But see, it's going to come back to pride. Do you know why some people never join a connect group? Because they never want to be vulnerable. They never want people in on their own stuff that's going wrong. It's pride. You know why people never will call and contact the church and join a personal care group? It's pride generally. You know why some people never come forward for prayer, though every single person in the house here should leave here, shouldn't leave here without prayer? Many times, it's because we want to get to the restaurant. But for some of us, we're afraid to come forward. It's pride, fear of man. It's pride. And God wants you to begin to sow some humility to maybe choose to come down for prayer, even when you don't feel like you need it or want it. Here's the fourth seed. I'd love to see you sow in 2023. It's the seed of forgiveness. You see, if you don't forgive and learn to do this often, you'll reap a whirlwind of pain and insecurity. Do you know forgiveness is the hallmark of Christianity, and yet some of the meanest people I've met are Christians who are still bitter? I've seen far too many spouses raise their kids while never forgiving one another. Now, forgiveness isn't the same as trust. Trust is earned, but forgiveness is a decision you make. It wasn't easy for Jesus to forgive you, but he chose to forgive you. You never earned it. You don't deserve it nor do others. And church, I want that to be a hallmark for our church. I want you to live an unoffendable life, but you've got to start sowing it. Christ Place, I'm carrying a burden for us this weekend. And I've been wrestling with this all week because I know some of us are so weary, so discouraged because of maybe choices some of our kids have made or siblings have made. And we're not seeing any evidence of what we're, we're praying for, what we've been, how we've been sowing kindness and love into them. We're not seeing any change. And we're so impatient. And, and my prayer is that you'll begin to see patience for what it really is. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And it could be that during this gap, this, this season between you doing what's right and you sowing good stuff and not seeing any harvest yet, could it be that this season of patience, that that, that fruit of the Spirit, the Bible calls it, is just as sweet as any other fruit of the Spirit, that God's wanting to teach you what it means to, to be close to Him in a time of brokenness, that God's trying to bring you to a place where you learn to lean on some people in your connect group or your personal care group who will just love you and pray for you. That some of us feel like we're defeated before we even start. And I told you earlier, there's some strongholds that come, need to come down. There's a stronghold of of disappointment, a stronghold of discouragement. And some of you, you're, you're so beat up. Man, the idea of even trying to continue to go on, you're not sure how. You're not, you're, again, you're so weary. And here's what I want you to know. You've, you've allowed your weariness to turn into procrastination. You've allowed it to turn into being critical and cynical. And here's what you need to know. Man, the enemy wants you to be condemned. The enemy wants you to feel like you can't go another day. But you need to hear what Paul said to the church in Rome. He said, man, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. The devil has no authority over you. Lift up your head. You're a farmer, my friend. And until you're planted in the dirt, you're sowing. You're sowing and you can't give up. And you have to let the Lord stir some hope in you. You need a supernatural encounter possibly this morning. I love what the prophet Joel said to the Israelites, they'd experienced crop failure after crop failure. And they had plagues of locusts and they had, they had uh, the canker worm had destroyed year after year after year of crops. And Joel gave them this promise. Joel chapter two in the Old Testament, he said this, that the Lord will restore, this is the word for some of you, he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. God will do 
something that you can't even imagine, but you can't give up. You can't give up. I love what Malachi chapter 3 tells us, that the devourer will be rebuked by the Lord. God says, I will rebuke the devourer so your crops will not be destroyed. I'm telling you, God is more than able. When Jesus was trying to get his disciples to understand who he was, and he was challenging them, and they thought, wow, how is this even possible to live the way you want us to live, Jesus? And this is what Jesus said to them. What is impossible for man is possible for God. Lift up your head, my friends. You're a farmer. And God wants to restore the years that the devil has attempted to take from your life. Don't give up. You got us. More importantly, you got somebody who can do the impossible. I want to pray for you. Lord, thank you for this church. Lord, we ask you to do a work in us that is beyond our human skill level. Lord, for those who have strongholds, discouragement and weariness, we pray you pull them down. That, oh God, you do something fresh in us. You revive our souls. In Jesus' name. And Lord, there are people in the house here who have not been farming well in their relationship with you. And if they're honest, they don't have a relationship with you. We pray that even right now, God, that you would draw them close. In Jesus' name. Go ahead and look up here at me. Some of you, you're a guest, and I'm so glad you're here. Others of you, you've been coming for weeks, maybe years. But if you're really honest, you haven't sowed in your relationship with God. You've, you've checked boxes, maybe. Maybe you believe in a God out there. Maybe you affirm that you're part of, you know, you believe in Christianity or you believe in, but you don't know him. You know, someday you're going to stand before God. And you're going to either hear him say, well done, good and faithful, or you're going to hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. And I would love to be able to pray with you today because you know what? God wants to know you. But he's a gentleman. He will not force his way into your life. And, and the way you begin to farm rightly in your walk with God is by being humble and being honest. So if you're in the house today, before you can so in a really healthy way to your family, your kids, your grandkids, why don't you start sowing in a healthy way between you and God? And, and you know, some of you, you say, work, I've never believed, but you know what? That's changing, isn't it? Something inside you, you know today, you can believe. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Rick Lorimer from Christ Place. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard On Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.